Hello and welcome to the Time to Unwind podcast. Um, today it is I, James, hosting, although we do have Anthony here as well. Say hello, Anthony. Hello, Anthony. I've always wanted to do that because normally <laughs> I've made other people say hello plus their own name and it sounds ridiculous, but I always wanted to have the boots on the other foot. So, hello, wow. Anthony. Now the tables have turned, eh? They have. <laughs> Don't get used to it. <laughs> and... We are also joined by Richard. Say hello, Richard. Hello, Richard. Uh, I see you getting in. We're all we're all joining in. I like it. Well, today Ben who like that. I think the rest of us find it funny, but Ben hates saying hello, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, he's really reluctant whenever he does it. I love it. (laughs) We should have got it on. We should have made we should have made him come on, shouldn't we? Just so he has to say it. Yeah, next time, next time. Anyway, we are here today to talk about Watches and Wonders because it's the big week. It's finally happened. It's all kicked off. And whilst I have no idea when we're going to publish this podcast, for us, we are in the thick of furiously typing press releases to get them out as quickly as possible. (laughs) So um, I think we're just going to keep it casual. We're just going to go right into chatting about you know what our thoughts are on each watch each brand um see what we like what we dislike and i'm just gonna say let's just kick it off with the big one the one everyone listening really is here to hear about uh and that is of course rolex so um they have they've done it boys they've they've made the explorer 36 mil what do we all think well that's so yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's probably conditioned by the size of your wrist, isn't it, really? Yeah, I would that's have true. Um, personally, I like it. I like uh, a 36 millimeter watch. I like the way that people are sort of going back to the old school. Mm-hmm. And um, we no longer have to wander around with sort of dinner plates strapped to our wrists. No, that is true. I have I have tried um, a couple of years ago. I tried a 39 mil Explorer on myself because um, I was I was toying with the idea of one. But yeah, it's just too big for me. Like, it just seems too wide. The proportions seem a bit off. I mean, it's my personal taste. If you love the 39 mil and you're listening to this, do not hate me, please. Um, But yeah, for me, it was too big. And I think the move back to 36 is definitely the right one. I mean, it's it's the proper size for an explorer, isn't it? Yeah, it is. What what I was wondering, you know how we've spoken a lot about how... uh, watches have got bigger and then got smaller again yeah. what, what made them get bigger in the first place when you know as we, as we all agree 36 is about right well mm. why do people feel the need to make them bigger and bigger this is something i've never understood that's a very good question actually and i i off the top of my head i think it's all to do with fa- like the fashion side of it and making a statement because i guess when it happened i think i guess it was the rise of fashion brands getting involved with watches okay. and you know that that that's my opinion anyway. I don't know if anyone thinks any differently. Oh, that's I, a good I, like I, agree. It. I agree with you completely. I think that the the evolution into these behemoths mm. really was a dark time for watch manufacturing. Mm. Uh, it, because I don't really know who was meant to wear these watches. Um, mm. that's it, true. I, I'm in a position that if I loan anybody my a metal braceleted watch, say my um, Explorer 2, mm. um, my metal bracelet is always too big for them because I have 
chunky wrists. That's yeah. that's my lot in life. Mm. And yet, the forty. I tried on a forty-six mil Breitling Navi timer, mm. and it just wow. looked enormous on me. And I thought, who's going to buy this? Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Like, who is it aimed at? That said, I do know there are people out there whose tastes do just lend to the the large. I I know of um a guy when I used to work um in a in a jewelers in my local town, and you know we we got chatting about watches. Uh, you know, whenever he came in, and he was the guy. He he loves big watches. The chunkier the better. And he loves, for example, his favorite black brand is Hublot. Um, that gives you an idea of his taste. But you know that that was what he liked, which is fair enough. Um, and he was always talking about, you know, oh, I've been eyeing up this new Hublot, blah, 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 whatever model. And you're thinking, oh, that, that sounds hideous to me. But if it's what you like. <laughs> it's probably for you boat as well, I suspect. And, yes. and, and such things. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But um, yeah, get, getting back to the new releases. Yeah, back to that. Um, so, uh, yeah, let, let's, um, what are people's thoughts on the two-tone explore? <laughs> <laughs> do people like it? Do people do people think that's a good addition to the lineup? Well, I was born in the 1970s. It's a great decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 1970s was the decade very much of two-tone. And I think, on a serious note, it's something that just goes through a cycle, isn't it? If you'd have asked yeah. me five or ten years ago, what do you think of two-tone? I would have thought hideous, the sort of thing that my sort of like dad or maybe even granddad would have worn. Um, mm. Absolutely not reflecting of my contemporary and sophisticated taste. Yet these days, um, I think it's kind of cool. And I think it's because that 70s vibe is very much back. And mm-hmm. um, I think what people are looking for, and that also coincides with the return to, say, a 36 size, yeah. is a little of authenticity. So it's very much of its time. And that time has come around again. So I, I, I like the two tone. Um, black and gold for me has always been a classic combination. So mm-hmm. I've always liked that for, for quite a while. Um, rose gold is something that's sort of like grown on me. But I think I think I've got there now. So so personally, I like it. I'm in, in, in favour of two tone and uh, long may it continue. See, from what Richard was telling me before we recorded, he completely disagrees. Yes. <laughs> Don't you, Richard? Anthony knows what I'm going to say here because he knows me well enough. It's I'm I'm a great exponent of tool watches, and I think tool watches should look like tool watches. I don't think they should look in remotely like dress watches. Mm. And for me, they have not done the explorer any favors by going to Bouton. I completely agree. It is far better in 36 mil. It's what it was. It should never have been anything else. And I do have this particular irk with Rolex and I'm saying this as a fan and I own them and I like them but I have this irk that their cutting edge new developments seem to be quite similar to watches they had 10 years ago Mm. like you know Tim and I were talking about the Submariner the other day when the new Submariner was released was it about three or four months ago Mm -hmm. maybe longer and it's effectively the Submariner from 10 years ago yeah, I know, I know what you mean. They've slimmed the logs back down, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I guess but, the movement's but, updated, isn't it? But Lots yeah. of people, including Tim, including myself, liked that. We liked the fact it was a Submariner from 10 years ago. That's because you both See, have Submariners from 10 years ago. I would probably like to go and buy a Submariner that was made 10 years ago. That's the way my mind works on it. Um, but 
I, I think, you know, I, I can understand why they've gone two-tone with the Explorer. I get it. I think what Anthony said is right. There is this vibe going on at the moment where people will identify with it. I just, it wouldn't be where I would spend my money. However, I would, without hesitation, get the 36 mil stainless steel one. Yes. If I, if I had the money, despite my hatred of Rolex waitlists and... All that sort of stuff, I would still buy a Steel Explorer. I, I would. I admit it there. I said it. Um, but I think talking By about... Way, James, yeah. What, what, what did you say you were doing tomorrow? Not not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday, um, yeah. I, I, sense, but James mentioned something earlier that he was, he was busy doing something. I forgot what it was. So... Okay, for you for you guys at home, what I said to the to these two before before we started recording is I have booked the Tuesday off. Um, so lockdown is is opening. It's coming off uh, in the UK on the thirteenth, Monday the thirteenth. So therefore, Tuesday the fourteenth, I'm going to the AD to buy myself a Tudor Black Bay thirty six as an explorer alternative. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, anyway, sorry, carry on, just, just, just to clarify that. Okay, thanks for getting that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm completely cool with that. It's fine. I, I, can't, I, I can't afford to wait two years and pay five grand for an Explorer. <laughs> um, but no, no, talk, talking about Rolex and going back to what um, Richard touched on with tool watches and Rolex moving away from that, I think that is exactly right, though, isn't it? In that Rolex these days are not makers of the best tool watches in the world what they are makers of are luxury statement pieces that are displays of wealth and i don't think there's anything wrong with that because people still like the watches the watches are still very good quality and everyone's happy in that regard you know both the consumer and um Rolex themselves um so i'm not knocking it uh, but i think that that is just what the brand has morphed into um these days in that the, there you go to place for when you've you know you've you've achieved something you know be that um in terms of money or, or um the, your career or just a life event or what, what have you you know that, that that's the brand that's sort of the pinnacle sort of i've made it this is you know my my symbol of that and, and that's fine but they are no longer those sort of true really functional um watches that, that, that they used to be um that's just that's just how the world's changed really because no one really needs a tool watch back in the 60s and 70s and what have you people needed deep sea divers but i mean these days none of us are really queuing at the ad to buy buy them for that reason are they we're we're just doing it because we like the look of them and because it speaks to us as a brand and all that sort of stuff so yeah I've gone a bit deep there with that, haven't I? No, I think you've touched on a really good. You've touched on a really good wider issue. Probably not mm. for this podcast, but it is you, what you say is right that mm. uh, if if um, you were if we if the three of us were about to hike up Kilimanjaro today, we'd probably all wear something like G-Shocks. Um, yeah. And what was seen as the archetypal tool watch from say 30, 40 years ago. Mm. actually would have been what we would now consider high-end watches yeah. i read the other day it was a very interesting feature about a guy in the 60s who selected the omega speedmaster to trek across the antarctic with all right and that just probably wouldn't happen now mm. and i thought <laughs> to what the analogy you're drawing with rolex i think mm. is spot on yeah well that's good to hear <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I, I find it quite hard to talk about tool watchers without laughing. And um, that's that's thanks to my uh, my friend Steve. I was um, describing the um, Rolex Submariner as the mm. ultimate tool watch, to which he replied, as I showed it to him, to which he replied, for the ultimate tool. <laughs> which um, <laughs> so so that's that's my take on tool watches. It's a shame because I know you know it's a great it's a great phrase. We know what we mean, but uh, but well, I think I think it's been poisoned for me. I'm, um, I'm going to plug my my the last YouTube video I did for the channel. Uh, actually because funnily enough and I promise I've not set this up but the last video I did a couple of weeks ago was um, basically why the Casio G-Shock is the ultimate beta and I start the video going I love my Seiko I love my Black Bay 58 but whilst I tell myself I love them because they're great tool watches it's just a lie I tell myself to justify buying them and spending the money because the G-Shock does all I need from a tool watch and more so really i'm just kidding myself and yeah know, it's sort of live it's just funny so if anyone really wants to hear my thoughts on why that is head over to the watch gecko youtube channel and uh, check that out <laughs> gotta yeah, do that got, right now gotta get the plug in there gotta get it um so uh we'll talk about a bit about i guess other rolex releases um mm. obviously they've updated the explorer 2 um, or at least I think they have, because it looks exactly <laughs> the same to me. <laughs> Don't know about you guys. Again, I think, I, you know, it, it's 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 typical Rolex. We have changed stuff. It's a new model. Um, okay, Rolex, if you say so. Uh, yeah, but what, what again? Yeah. I thoughts? definitely think they've dropped dropped the ball very slightly on that one, because as we um, previously alluded to, uh, that is my my. I have a 2003 Explorer two. Mm. which was my with the black face which was my, my my watch that i wanted and i'd always wanted mm. uh, i was never a huge fan of when it gravitated to what the big orange or whatever you want to call it yeah um and i was quite excited when i heard there was a new variant going to be released yeah and i looked at it and thought have they just uploaded an old photograph in an error yeah it is a bit like that. Yeah. i mean i guess you could argue why mess with perfection you know it, the the design is pretty damn spot on isn't it so it's not really gonna is it gonna ever be overhauled i don't think so releasing or not releasing and depending how you view it as, a, as an explorer 2 that looks pretty much identical to the last one true but i believe it is 50 years of the explorer 2 isn't it that's why so they kind of had to do something with it and mm. and i guess just changing the case profile and putting a new movement in it it was li literally the least they could do what about um can i ask everyone what about the um the uh the black and gold version well i'm just looking at what they call that which is a the new yellow roller roller saw is that how you yeah it? yeah they give, they give it i, I don't i think so it's they give it um you, you'll probably hate this when you richard it's a two-tone explorer it's just not it's never going to happen for me yellow gold james you must you, you strike me as a fan of yellow gold <sighs> no actually i i I, Damn. I i don't i don't go in for that sort of thing i'm, I'm gonna be honest i um I'm, I'm pretty traditional in my tastes some would say boring i mean i'd, I'd say boring on occasion um but yeah i i that said I, as i'm talking about this and saying i don't like two-tone and that 
and yellow gold and I do have the 58 on my wrist at the moment which is you know the hands are gold the markers are gold the bezel markers are gold <laughs> so okay I like gold in very small select amounts I do not like two-tone um just because I, I just prefer a less flashy I'm not really a bling guy to be honest um I'm more about understatement but yeah, yeah. That's I'm just completely my with you I'm completely with you yeah this roller saw is actually it's not two tone it's actually three tone if you look at it carefully because it's black gold and silver as well it's yeah i mean i don't think it looks as bad as some people say but I, um I, I yeah i'm struggling for words it's just not it's not my cup of tea put it like that and i do think there's something to the argument that you know uh, rolex is a tool watch ostensibly as i've just said it's not really anymore but like should you mess with a watch that's like designed to be the purest form of tool watch there is should you does it need a two-tone edition i mean i i think at the end of the day i don't think we're necessarily the target audience i think it's for people who as i've said before want to make a statement and want you know they they care a bit about the fashion side of things more than oh you know it's oh it's a tool watch or it's you know it's sort of been up everest and all that sort of thing um you know potentially anyway Presumably, that's the fact the Explorer 2 is the same. I think what they could have done, perhaps, mm. as a halfway house, would be to perhaps have some small adjustment on it to make it a special edition if there's some historical significance. I'm thinking to a watch I saw recently, which there was a big event recently where this one of Bremont's ambassadors climbed seven peaks and then he climbed k2 on the toughest face and he wears a particular brain on i think it's his supermarine he wears mm -hmm. and they brought out one that looks sensibly the same as his but it has a particularly good case back to represent his achievements i don't know whether or not i might have been more amenable to a special edition of the the original rolex explorer if it might have had some something perhaps on the back something very subtle i know it's not their way just to go with the two-tone with the gold to me just somehow it loses the ethos of everything that watch was about to me yeah i i do know what you mean yeah well as i just said yeah it, it's sort of moving away from that tool watch um heritage isn't it yeah um I, th I think I think I think the idea of doing like a special edition case, but, but that said, Rolex, like I agree with the like what you were just saying about a special case back, but Rolex don't do anything on their case backs, do they? Famously, they just leave them be. So I guess I guess they did. Would they break tradition for you know that? I don't know. What else? Uh, what else have you seen, James, from uh, keeping a car, keen eye on everything, watches and wonders? Well, shall we move on? Shall we move yeah. on to Tudor whilst we're? Yeah, because I think we're not going to agree on Rolex fundamentally. So I think no, we'll and th out. there have been other releases, but does anyone really care about them? <laughs> well, I mean, a few people do. Let's be honest. Um, but I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's the same old, same old. Big, few... big statement from James. Rolex has new releases. Does anyone really care? Let's move on to Tudor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that apart from the Explorer stuff, and I well, I guess there's meteorite Daytonas. I mean, it's the Daytona with a meteorite dial, and I think it's probably in precious metal, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yay, really pricey Daytona that, again, you won't be able to get your hands on. 
Um, yeah, okay, this is where my disdain for Rolex's business practices does creep in. Yeah. Um, again, Tudor. Tudor. Tudor, yeah, so Tudor have, um, it's interesting because, well, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go with the, the sensible stuff, which is they've revamped their chronos um, and they've released two panda variants, panda variant and a reverse panda, um, and they, they look all right. Um, they're not particularly groundbreakingly different from their previous chronos. Um, the case is apparently a little bit slimmer. Um, they've reconfigured the movement to do that, um, just move things around a bit. But ostensibly, I th think it's pretty much sort of the same thing. Um, and yeah, they look all right. Um, I don't know. For me, I don't know if the markers are a bit out of proportion. And I talk about this in general, not just for these new releases on the... On all Tudor chronos, the markers look a little small, but I guess the alternative is quite a, uh, the dial could be quite cluttered there. I don't I don't know what people if people think any different. I see I see what you mean, it's especially on the blackface. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just are, are a little on the small side. They could definitely they've got a little bit more real estate they could have done something with. Just a little, just a smidgen. And if I'm I'm being nitpicky here, but I feel like just. A fraction of a millimeter on each marker bigger you know just a little smidgen bigger just to fill out that dial a bit more would be nice um mm. but overall it's it's i think it's a very pleasant design i i'm sure that they'll sell very well um that said the, the price wise i think they're getting they, they're coming into omega territory uh they're on the bracelet they're three thousand nine hundred pounds and for that money I think if I, you know, if I had that cash, I would just be thinking I could just save a bit more and get a get a speedy, which is the king of chronos. So, I mean, you know, but apart from that, you know, if you're not into the speedy or, you know, you really like Tudor as a brand, then I can see these being, you know, great watches to go for. And as I just said, I think they will sell pretty well. Yep, no, agreed. They're nice. You know, I hadn't noticed that with the markers before, but now you've pointed it out, it's going to irritate me. <laughs> It's just just a little thing, isn't it? I think I think yeah. I feel I'm being fussy, but they're, they're yeah. overall they're nice. I, I I think you're not. I don't think you're being fussy. I, I must confess, like Anthony, it hadn't actually leapt out to me, but now unfortunately I can't see anything else. Yeah, they just seem a bit shoved to the edge of the dial, I think. But it's a shame. But no, despite that, I think they're pretty solid choices, and they're a bit left field. Um, I mean, they're still in the Black Bay line because I think Tudor does quite rightly get criticised for only releasing Black Bays lately. Like, you know, in the past sort of few years, it's all been about the Black Bay line. Um, I mean, I guess it, it follow what sells, you know, but at the same time, it is getting a bit monotonous. But then, you know, I think these these fill a niche. It's what people want, and I think I think they'll do very well. So I can't really criticise them for that. Um, so yeah, um, do people have any any more thoughts on those, or should we move on to their their two more out there releases? Should we say? Um, well, I'm, I'm just forward to the out there ones. Yeah, okay, because uh, okay, so they've also released, and this is where it gets a bit crazy. Um, the Black Bay Fifty Eight in both solid gold and solid silver, which um, I mean, the gold one uh, is crazy i mean it's twelve thousand six hundred pounds but it does come with a complimentary fabric nato um so you do get that but uh, i i think it's 
it's very well it's very unique isn't it that that sort of that quite bright green for the dial and bezel the gold color itself i find it very overpowering and i think it's again it's one that's really a statement watch isn't it rather than anything else i mean it's in gold of course it's a statement watch so yeah would either of you buy it Oh, I, I, I like it. You'd have to give me £12,000, though. Um, but if, if you did, I would happily buy it because, I, I you know, I'm a sucker for a green watch. Um, yeah. And um, yes, it is £12,000, but you're also getting a massive chunk of gold on your wrist. Um, now, um, I think it's the sort of thing where, like, and I think it's a big caveat for all the watches we're talking about. It's one thing seeing online presentations. It's one thing mm. seeing photographs and uh, another thing entirely seeing it in person and that, that yeah. can work both ways you know you can be quite underwhelmed by a watch on film on video and you see it and you think well that's actually really really nice mm. um or it can sort of like um go the other way as well you know something can look quite nice um on, on film or video and then you actually see it in the flesh and you think oh no it's hideous it's garish it's sort of like bigger than mm. i thought and brighter than i thought and shiny mm. So, um, so, so, you know, this, 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 this comment, this is my sort of massive disclaimer, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because like, you know, for when I get a low, when, when we finally get to see it and, and people slag me off for saying you'll, you'll taste <laughs> something from the gutter. Um, yeah. but I do like it. I do like it. Um, I love green watches. Um, as I said, I'm sort of having a renaissance towards gold watches. It, it's, it's probably somewhat big. Um, but I did, I did think, um, a while ago about um a bronze captain cook and yeah. i think sort of I'd probably rather go in that direction because i think i'd be getting pretty much all the fun for a fraction of the price well you'd save yourself i think 10 grand because i'm exactly. pretty sure off the top of my head the bronze captain cook which does come in a lovely emerald green which is a bit darker than this 58 um is i think 2.7 i want to say it's i might be completely wrong it's definitely you know mid to around the sort of Something 2500 like mark um so so i think i'll, I'll go for that and, that and i do i do think the two are actually very similar mm. yeah um yeah no I, i'd agree with that i think they fulfill a similar niche um it's also uh, worth pointing out that both this and the silver one do have display case backs which the cynical people um amongst the community have said that's just to save on the, the precious metal weight, isn't it? <laughs> Which the, they might be right, but, you know, there we go. That is quite cynical. <laughs> I, I genuinely hadn't thought of that which you know it's um what is it to the pure all things are pure. I'd, I'd really genuinely not thought of that, but mm. wow. Yeah. Um, um so that yeah, Richard what do, what do you think about the well, uh 18 given carat? Given the choice. Yeah. Um I'm not a fan of gold watches particularly although i do like this one i think the green works really well i think it looks smart i think it's a little bit different i think if they had 10 in the tudor boutique in dubai all 10 would be sold in a day yeah i'm not sure if they had 10 in the tudor boutique in derby all 10 <laughs> would be sold in the day yeah i'm not sure um, however, I would like to throw a spanner in the works by saying I really like the taupe one, the silver one. Ah, yes. Now, I think that the colorway for this, which so for those who don't know, taupe is, as Tudor described themselves, a warm grey. Um, so it's a, a warm grey dial and uh, bezel. 
Um, and yet the case is solid silver. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like that too. I think it's a little more subdued, but grey is unusual choice. So it still makes a statement, but perhaps a little less less garishly so. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like the colour scheme. Uh, I do wonder how that silver is going to fare after a few years and whether it will tarnish. Um, Absolutely. But other, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I do, I do quite like what they've gone for there. And the price, because is quite reasonable it's three thousand two hundred and thirty pounds which is just shy of five hundred pounds more than the regular 58 which is 2760 so that's that's quite you know a reasonable premium i think i think it's if you look at the um summary you did yourself james for the Mm. the the magazine site there's Mm. the the front-on image of that model and whether it's, I mean, obviously this is a very stylized image, but it does seem to have this morphing between grey and brown. Yeah. Depending on, and I could imagine if we had it in our hand at the moment and you were rotating the watch around, it would have the, almost a fluctuation in colour. And, and I think there's the potential for that to look really stunning. Uh, but I would like to see it in the flesh. Mm. Yes, no, I, I would too. Um, and the good thing is with these, um, actually, they are appearing in the wild already. Apparently, ADs do already have their hands on them because uh-huh. several people have bought them. So, uh, yeah, no, it would be it would be interesting to see. Um, though the other thing talking about tarnishing in that is, I'd be interested in how well both of these hold up to scratches because I mean, gold and silver are famously quite soft as metals go. So I would be worried about denting and scratching it um you know uh, and how that would hold up over time would the carrot of the gold be relatively low to avoid that i'm thinking of the way of things like well no the um 18 i think isn't it yeah it's 18 yeah. carats so it's yeah. actually you know quite pure <laughs> so if anything it's it's going to be quite soft um and i'm i i mean obviously we don't know the exact alloy they're using yeah um they they claim it's all low it's top secret but yeah i i I don't i don't know i mean it'll either they'll either look great in sort of 10 years um or it'll look absolutely atrocious and be bashed to hell and people will be cursing the day they ever bought them but uh, that said no people have um (laughs) you know they have solid gold you know like date justs and that from the 70s or what have you um and they're still looking okay so you know, I, I think it's perhaps, you know, if, you, if you're just wearing it as a daily watch and you're not, you know, actually diving or doing anything crazy with it, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'd be delighted with either. I think the silver one, as you say, Richard, looks 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 great from what we can see. And I think it will be a fabulous addition to the family silver, much better than a pair of candlesticks or something to sort of have as an heirloom. Yeah, that's true, actually. I wouldn't. I, I, I would... it's, it's, it's just genuinely really interesting to look at. Mm. Uh, it, it's, you know, one of those watches that caught, as soon as I looked at the review here that, that, that James did, it really, really caught my attention. Mm. Uh, more so than the gold one. And, and you, you point out, James, the gold, or was it Auntie? I can't remember. Said the, the gold one is visually very striking, very strong. Yeah. To, to my eyes, the, the, the taupe one, I never thought I'd say the word taupe so often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, 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 to me, it's equally strong. Striking and and, yeah. and and in reference to your earlier point, James, they seem to have got the indices the right size on it. Yes, 
Yes, I mean, the 58, I think the proportions are completely perfect on it. Um, there is not a thing I would change about the proportions and design of the watch. So they can they can do whatever crazy colours they want, and it'll just it's just going to look great. <laughs> I, th- I think we're all we're all big fans, aren't we? Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm about like like I say, I'm going to go and buy another. So <laughs> clearly, clearly, I like it. Did they um did Tudor parade David Beckham in any shape or form? Did they use him a lot in their uh, launches? I didn't see it. And uh, not in the launch, but both him and Lady Gaga have been um flight flaunting their new um their new models. I think um David Beckham's got uh the chrono and um I think Lady Gaga has I think she might have the taupe actually. Um, so they've been both publishing it on social media, like, oh, you know, oh, so thank you, Tudor, for my amazing new watch. Oh, I love you. Um, so, yeah, so th- they have been featured, but I, I don't think in sort of the Watches and Wonders campaign. So, yeah, so that those are the two, I think, most out there releases from Tudor. Um, but I think, I think they'll sell. Uh, the silver one certainly will. Um, and then lastly, really... Um, the only other thing worth talking about with them is that they've done the um, their fixed bezel black bay. So that's the black bay 32, 36 or 41 mil. Um, this is where it gets confusing. Um, they've done that with a silver dial. So until now it had a black, um, it had a blue dial and now they've added silver to it, which, um, you know, it's a fairly standard edition. Uh, nothing really to write home about, um, but it's a, Again, it fills a gap in the lineup. It's funnily enough, I remember saying on forums and that a couple of years ago, they should totally release a silver dial version of this because it would be great. It's again, it's like an uh, like an OP alternative, I guess, for anyone who doesn't want to stretch to you know the four grand uh, a thirty six mil OP cost. You know, you can pick up for half the price. You can pick up now a silver dial Black Bay thirty six or forty one or whatever takes your fancy. So yeah, um, fairly straightforward, but fairly nice yeah it, it's slightly a homage to the the very first Tudor models i thought i actually really liked it when i saw yeah. it it's the simplicity is mm. it's it's quite elegant the simplicity on it uh, and it did remind me hugely of when Tudor actually used to say rolex on the case back yeah well i've actually got um a 1988 um prince oyster date um that was my first Tudor actually and um that has a you know rhodium sunburst dial just like this and so yeah it's it, it, it's a great alternative for the people who wanted those um but at the same time you know perhaps don't want to go down the vintage road or you know for whatever reason so yeah i i think it's a really nice handsome piece you know perhaps nothing special or different in the sense of you know the case is you know nothing fancy the movement is you know i believe a tudor modified eta or solita uh, movement as on the rest of these um so yeah it, it, i mean it is it is what the explorer was 20 years ago in that it's a time only sporty but also quite dressy tool watch that you can take anywhere do anything and it's a, a fairly reasonable price but has the yep. quality but of a shooter yeah. 1970 which uh, is good for what you get yeah yeah it's not bad is it i mean that that's not on the steel bracelet though is it no that's on the leather um, yeah the steel that goes up to two two one zero. 
but that, that's that's that doesn't break the bank, does it really? So I, I, I think I think I think we're 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 sort of happy with that. I mean, certainly yeah, compared to the version. Mm. So yeah, with with that, I think that really covers all the major stuff from Tudor. Um, is there any other what what brand do people want to talk about next? What's caught uh, you, your guys' eyes? Cartier was a bit out there, wasn't it? Oh the yes, yes. I'm glad you that. Um, that really did. Um, I mean, I, I, Cartier is one of those brands where a lot of like the tank is quite a dressy watch. Um, so I don't look too much into it because it's not the sort of thing I'd wear every day. But obviously the design is really classic. And I think the updates they've done to this, um, to the tank this year, um, are really quite fantastic. Yep, they look good, and of course I like the um, the 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 must the Cartier range that they had there, and mm -hmm. colourful. I think off the top of my head, what do we have? We had red, green, and blue. Was it? Yeah, yeah. So it's purple as well. Is it a purpley colour? Yeah, not blue, purple. You're right. Yep. Yeah, so they're they're quite nice colours because they're, they they're statement pieces, but they're not um, they're not particularly bright, are they? Um, they're quite muted which I, I mean i guess allows them to be a bit more versatile i think i think the understated design of them is mm. probably a winner i would venture to say yeah i, I mean, think it will got, appeal to so many people yeah because they're, they're just for for those of you who haven't seen um these new mustacartiers um and don't know what they look like and what we're talking about um they they have no uh dial markings on whatsoever it literally just says Cartier, Swiss made at the bottom and has some plain silver sword shaped hands. Um, so they are quite striking and minimalist, um, but I, I, I do really like them. I like them too. I'm less of a fan of the cloche watches, but um, each to their own. I've not looked at those. Are those, the, oh, those are the weird. Um, and uh, and hence the name of the watch um yeah. because they are they are bell-shaped so um so they're not yes. my cup of tea not mine not, uh, not I, mean, I, I i did like the face of the the louis they've they really nailed the art deco design with the the gold sort of rail track design and the oh yeah i know the one yeah Yes, now that looks really nice actually. Again, quite quite especially dressy. The blue one. Yeah. yeah. Especially the, the blue one, especially. Uh, I think the this the, the, the sun ray effect on the, the, the dial, I think it's it, it, yeah, for sure it's elaborate, it's dressy, it's it's not something you're gonna wear as you're uh, hiking up the dales, but it, it is undeniably really striking. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I can see. I mean, I'd love to see that sunburst dial um, in person because I bet you it would look fantastic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's sort of like, you know, while it's always great to have watches and wonders, you know, then obviously we could devote a whole podcast of that we have in the past about, mm. you know, this, the, the death of the watch show and so forth. I do. Um, it's, it's great looking at these and there's, there is definitely an excitement over sort of like the time it's happening but it's it's frustrating at the same time isn't it because I'm left a bit like you James thinking oh, I wish I could really really see these things um, mm. so they're, they're a bit sort of like tantalizing which um, which is good but yeah there's there's lots of stuff I'd love to to see in person and, and uh, I hope 
much as it's sort of great to have all these releases shown to us digitally and, uh, and and fair play the manufacturers are also thinking of more and more innovative ways in which to present them um, mm. I hope that these online shows are not not necessarily here to stay and that we actually sort of get back to seeing some real real watchers um, because there's nothing quite like you know whether it's sort of even just walking into a dealer or walking to show to actually know that you've got the real thing in front of you and you can actually genuinely talk to people and interact with people and interact with a watch and, mm. and, and that's the experience that blows you away rather than watching watching them on screen yeah no i completely agree um yeah it is a completely different kettle of fish to be able to go and try on a new watch and see it for the first time uh compared to just looking at a load of pre pre-done um press release images it doesn't really do the uh the watches justice but yeah hopefully next year hopefully next year yeah 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 um but uh but yeah no so sort of cartier were quite quite fun do you think it's, it's quite interesting isn't it do you think that um the fact that they don't have live exhibitions anymore means that companies have to try to be a little bit more out there and all just make an impression online i think they've tried it certainly mm. and i think it's quite tough for them i mean having done numerous exhibitions i think it must be very hard to do it online I think I, you know, I admire them for having a crack at it. I was watching one of the Tag Heuer videos today when they released the new Aqua Timer, mm-hmm. and you, you could see they really have tried to make you feel like you were there. Yeah, yeah, they tried to, but it's, it's never the same. It is never, never exactly the same as really being there. The um, the solar tank as well. That's quite uh, an interesting choice. The Cartier tank must with a solar beat photovoltaic movement. Um, so I understand that they've actually um, so similar to uh, like what Citizen have done, um, where the dial has solar uh, solar connect, uh, collector underneath underneath it to obviously absorb light and use that to power the watch. I believe what Cartier have done is they've used or they've created holes in the dials markers um and use that for the light to filter through to power the movement without actually having to uh have that sort of solar texture that i guess can be a bit um well cheap because it's just you know a solar panel isn't it it's not actually like a finely finished watch style so apparently um it's taken them four years to sort of uh, get this right and they say that it will last for 16 years um which doesn't sound like very much to me, but presumably there's a way to sort of like fix it when it stops after 16 years. Well, you'd assume that, you know, that that you'd just take it to Cartier, get it serviced and they'll replace whatever parts like, like with any other watch that have, you know, expired, reach the end of their service life and then boom, you're good to go. Um, what's always fun about watches like that. And um, as uh, Richard will testify with uh, various watches of his is when you when you say put them away in a drawer and it's mm. dark and yep. you pull them out and then suddenly they sort of like have this sort of magical thing where they sort of spring to life and yeah. sort of like start whizzing around and then suddenly bang you're on time again which is which is pretty impressive i have found myself actually doing that just for the sheer novelty factor of watching <laughs> that amazing process happen it is fun that that does sound i've never done that myself but I can, imagine it, I can imagine it is a lovely spark of joy. It is. It is. I, I think Anthony and I just need to get out more. I think. I think. I think so. I think sort of uh, the lockdowns had its long-term effect. But to be fair, I was doing that long before then. So. <laughs> Moving on from Cartier, uh, Richard, what's caught your eye? 
tell, 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 tell us your thoughts on these new Aqua Racers. I've always been slightly ambivalent towards the Aqua Racer because I was such a fan of the original professional tags, the Tag 1000, 2000, mm-hmm. that sort of series. And the Aqua Racer always seemed more of a fashion nod rather than a functional watch to me. However, I think they've addressed that with the professional 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a really interesting video with the tag hire head honchos talking today and it, they've they've given it more angles they they've they've gone to the sword hand which is the classic sort of pseudo militaristic dive look they've kept the diving helmet logo on the back but again they've redesigned it so it's much more of a an angular design they've given the watch much more purpose and Thank you, thank you. They've made a titanium model, and <laughs> that is what would I, that. That's the only watch really I saw, looking at all of the releases, that just made my credit card twitch in its wallet. It really did. <laughs> yeah. No, I um. So yeah, I was looking at these today. Um. And yeah, I I agree. These do seem a step up on the previous uh, Aqua races. Um. Having looked at them or glanced rather at them before i've always thought they seem a bit meh you know they're just generic there's nothing really that grabs me about the previous aqua races i just think yeah they look they look a bit overpriced they but they look like just like a standard diver and i'm not really that keen these um love or hate the design changes um they have i think made the watch feel look and feel premium from what i can see um you know they've added a lot more different case finishing um, they've reworked the the bezel design. It's now a ceramic insert. I don't think it was before. Uh, the Cyclops, or the date's now at six, and the Cyclops is mounted on the yeah. underside, which, again, I don't think will be to everyone's taste, the Cyclops, but at least it's now on the underside of the crystal. I love the new diving helmet, which is really cool and angular and I think looks great. Um, and I, I do like the the textured... I guess what would you call that? I mean, Omega call it like a teak dial with those engraved lines mm. in. I think that looks really modern and, and cool. Um, so yeah, I I like I like what they've done. Is it for me personally? I don't think so. I think it's it doesn't quite come together for me personally. But I I like the direction they've moved in and the package they now offer overall. Yeah, I think they've really just tried to get beyond that. I think you're right. It was very generic before. Mm. It really was neither. It was not not inspiring. It didn't really make you want to go and get one. To me, with the the Cyclops uh, buried within the depth of the watch, again, that's taking back to the real iconic days of tag with the 2000 series. Mm-hmm. As Anthony and I like to joke back in the time when the bad guys in Die Hard 2 used to wear them. <laughs> and it's. I think they've gone back to that a little bit. I, I really think that there's the three models. There's the blue one, the mm. black, and the green. Each one has something a little bit different. For example, on the black one, they've given the little small 24-hour markers as well, which gives it a sort of a sort of spec opsy militaristic look. The blue one, the, the font on the dial, and also on the 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 end of the second and uh, yeah. I, think, I think they've really thought about it they've wanted to keep something which looks like an 
aqua racer, is recognizable as an aqua racer, but how can we elevate it into something that will just give it more presence? And I think they've really achieved that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, Anthony, what are your thoughts? Green Aqua Racer, absolutely for me. Um, really, really like, really like that. Um, I'm, I've, I've actually always been a fan of the Aqua Racer. I know that to many people, yourself included, James, it's a little bit, as you say, meh. Mm. It's a little bit sort of like um, um, generic would be sort of cruel, but um, I, th I think I know that some people see it as being having a little bit of an identity crisis. But um, I've always liked it, and I mm. think these latest editions actually give it that identity that was lacking a bit. Um, so I think this is a fabulous, yeah. uh, fabulous improvement, and definitely one of uh, my highlights. Um, if we're talking about highlights, though, of the show, can can, can we talk about briefly the? Um, I was looking at this earlier. I had to go back and look up some more of it because it's complicated. Can we talk about the Louis Vuitton Tambour Carpe Diem? I've not seen anything at all about this, so yes, we can. Right. OK, so we'll have to um, bear with me. Um, Richard, are you familiar with the Louis Vuitton Tambour Carpe Diem? I'm furiously typing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fabulous. What is this? So what it is, what it is, it's it's um, it's 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 a watch sort of. Um, and it's based on a Jacquemart, which is the type of automaton, which is traditionally built to fire off church bells. It's a watch but not exactly a watch. It's one of these very out there examples of haute horlogerie with a skull and a serpent on it. Um, there's a deep philosophical message behind that because of course it is there to remind us that our time on earth is short and so we should um, uh, enjoy every single minute of it. I just love um, wearing jewellery that reminds me of my inevitable death. <laughs> absolutely. At the push of a reptile shaped button on the right of the case, Mm -hmm. with me the enameled skull and rattlesnake on the dial transform into a moving tableau on the wrist both indicating the time and evoking the classical motif of vanitas the reminder that one stay on earth is limited um not only does it come with that a reminder of your um, impending doom but also it comes with a retrograde minute power reserve display and jumping hour um it's it's quite a fabulous piece of sculpture and i do love the sky the, the skull and the little um the little sort of like rotating um i think it's the I don't know if it's the power reserve. The power reserve indicator would be um is it the hourglass? Sands of time. I think it's the yeah yeah. I think it's the sort of hourglass yeah, of time. Um and um and, and the rotating eye and the skull. Well, I'm not quite sure what that is actually, but it looks it looks good. And the whole thing you'd like this about it, Richard. The whole thing looks like the sort of front cover of a first edition James Bond novel. <laughs> Oh, I oh, I'm so annoyed you're saying that. I was just going to say that. <laughs> there, there you go. You see, we've been doing this podcast way too long, haven't we? And we've only been doing it for not that long. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious, Anthony. How many of these are they making? Well, um, it doesn't say. So I suspect they're making one. Um, it doesn't even say how many. Um, uh, it doesn't even say sort of how much it's going to be. It says price on application. So um, I've no um, idea. Apparently, I just... the retail price. I'm on Fratello. Oh yeah, uh, and they say it is four hundred and seventy thousand euros. Fantastic! That's 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 an expensive way to be reminded of your demise, isn't it? Yes. Um, yeah. I... And despite its ridiculous gaudiness and complete, just how completely over the top it is, I 
in a weird way, kind of like it. Having just hated on all the gold, and I stand by that hate, but I look at it and go, that, that's actually a nice little work of art in some ways. It is. The, oh, yeah. From a work of art perspective, you can't really knock it, yeah. You see, I'd much rather spend uh, my money on that than a Rainbow Daytona. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, actually, I would. I would. I'm, I'm with you on that. So in terms of us out there, that wins. If we're talking about models which um, are divisive and a little out there, um, I just wanted to throw into the pot that I absolutely loved, even though my everything in my fibre is telling me not to love it. I loved the IWC Top Gun Mojave Desert. Again, another one I've not looked into. I'm going to furiously type now and try and Me too. find it. I'm oh, sure oh, you've, oh, you've covered oh, it in your article, I'm sure. I have, yes. That is kind of cool. Um, again, I don't know if I'd wear it personally, but I do love that sort of, I guess, desert sand, just completely monochrome look. Yeah. I think you have to be called Maverick to wear it. <laughs> or maybe Goose. Doesn't Goose come to a sticky end? Yes. Oh, he does. Yeah, he hits the canopy. Yes. Oh, that, that um, would have started, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? I just think it's quite hard, you know, speaking semi-seriously for a moment, it's quite hard to make a really monochrome watch, yet give it supreme legibility. Yes. Uh, and they do seem to have pulled it off. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I said, I, I really like that from a design point of view. Um, yeah, it's super legible, super clean. It's not, it doesn't come across as like gimmicky um, for the sake of it, but at the same time, it is quite cool and different. Yeah, I do wish that um, PVD the crown. Yeah, that does. Or whatever finish they're using. I do think that I do mention it. I think they should have PVD'd it to make it, and not so much on the perpetual calendar because they've got the uh, a little, little splash of sort of gunmetal silver on the top of the perpetual yeah. calendar. So it's sort of what, but on the power reserve model, mm -hmm. which is my favourite, the one that looks like a classic field watch. That that crown leaps out to me a bit more than it should. I think that should have been PVD'd, but. Yeah. that's me being super picky i think the watches themselves look very cool yeah no i i agree with what you're saying about the crown looking at it i'm like yeah it does stand out a bit but apart from that it's a damn nice looking watch it is i like I, it. I, thought, I thought you'd rip me to pieces on this one <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I thought it was very controversial no no i no. like like uh the mojave there was um i forget what it was called now but if you remember um Blank main made a watch which was a, a desert sand watch. Um, it was um, a 50 fathoms, wasn't it? But uh, 50 fathoms under the desert because mm -hmm. it was a tribute to um, some some diver who went exploring um, a, a deep well in the desert to find water. And uh, they made um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm explaining this very badly, but it, trust me, it looks a little bit similar to that. Similar sort of colours, and it's a cool looking watch. So sand, desert, Mojave watches. What is there not to like? Exactly. Agreed. Now, okay, now I'm going to go with a completely crazy um, release. Um, what, worse, on that worse than the skull and the rattlesnake? 
Um, I would say more tasteful, but in terms of many, many things, definitely worse. And that is the uh, Giger Le Coute Hybris Mechanica Calibre 185 Quadriptique. I really hope I pronounced that correctly. <laughs> um, and this is has apparently been in development for a long, long time. It is limited to 10 pieces, and it is their first or I think it's the only watch in the world with four separate working faces, as in, you know, each side. Um, and it displays a hell of a lot of complications. Um, I'm going to try and find the full list of specs, but it's got a lot of lunar data. Um, and oh, God, that's insane. Yeah, I so there, there's so much to unpack and I, I don't, even fully understand it to be honest um i'm going so to try and figure how much how much oh would you care to guess would you care to guess i know uh, um, oh um uh, I, i'm thinking i'm thinking that the um that the skull and rattlesnake is going to look like a bargain in comparison oh it does it does <laughs> um so yeah it it is a whopping <laughs> brace yourself 1.35 million dollars no euros sorry euros 1.35 million whoa oh, that is insane and like i said this is basically um jlc uh basically saying look what we can do aren't we clever boys um so I have a list of what each face does here. Um, <clears throat> so oh, yeah. fa face one, which I, I think is just your normal, you know, normal reverso face. So hour and minutes, it has a tourbillon indicating the seconds, an instantaneous perpetual calendar, grand date, day, month, leap year, night and day display. Face two is a jumping digital hour, minute repeater, minute, and apparently there's a system on the minute repeater for avoiding dead time. Phase three displays the northern hemisphere moon phase, the draconic lunar cycle, which is apparently the height of the moon, and the anomalistic lunar cycle. Uh, apogee and perigee, I'm probably pronouncing those wrong, it's probably a G, uh, the month and the year. And then phase four is the southern hemisphere moon phase. So this is a white gold case, has a 50-hour power reserve, a meagre 30 metres water resistance. What are they playing at? <laughs> and <laughs> it is 15.15 mil thick. And, yeah, I mean, that that's, that's quite the watch. Um, it is utterly insane. And, again, whilst I will never own one, I will never even see one in person, I do kind of love it for what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's just great that there's people there who are mad enough to A, make it, and B, buy it. Um, I've so, all 10 of them have been sold already. That does yeah. not surprise me. Um, I mean, put it this way, um, JLC on their press release stuff for this, um, obviously we get sort of access to the Watchers and Women's press release package, and they put no prices on any of their stuff. Um, it was, like, super helpful. But I was like, okay, I have no idea how much this is going to cost um and yeah it's clearly just a crazy crazy price <laughs> it's it's really like the chronological equivalent of a concept car isn't it 
yeah, actually, that was, yeah. I forget who I told that to, but I said the exact same thing to someone um, on Wednesday. <laughs> when I was researching IWC today to write the feature, um, mm. I was reading about their development team. And it, it was quite interesting because it, it's very much about, it, the, the watches that, that they produce are not really commercial propositions. It's about mm. showing the level of in-house technology you mm. have. And it's almost to send a message to the competition rather than about getting people to buy the watches. Yeah, of course. Although I think by association as well, you know, if, if you are in the market for something at this price or not at this, at JLC's normal price point, and you see that they can do this you know it does send the message of you know you're you're in good hands when you get a watch yeah. from them um so yeah it's just an incredible piece of um of craftsmanship and i think if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this check it out now um because it is it is simply breathtaking can you can you imagine someone having to service that I mean, I think that this is the sort of thing that I think would take, you know, probably like 10 times the normal length, <laughs> yeah. if not more, because, yeah, um, it's insane. I, I imagine a watchmaker who in a 10, 15 years gets that and is told, here you go, that they're, they're going to be demanding a lot of overtime pay and a lot of bonus money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just. I wonder if we were all standing at the show instead of looking at it virtually, would you even be allowed to handle it? I imagine it'd be on a plinth somewhere, surrounded by a lot of rope and security guards. And <laughs> Men I mean, I... yeah. <laughs> a former colleague of yours, Richard, would be up on the gantry somewhere, <laughs> a rifle trained. <laughs> on anyone getting too close yeah if you get too close you'd find this funny little red dot suddenly <laughs> yeah oh is that a new feature of the watch <laughs> this is where we all say <laughs> we all say tim you go first <laughs> yeah now i've got to say i love it though um yeah. that is that might be the craziest thing in the watchmaking world that i think i've ever seen yeah it's it's hard to top that one just for the shit, because the beautiful thing, what I really admire about this watch and JLC in general is despite just how many crazy features there are on this, it still manages to look really reserve and completely, you know, the opposite, whatever the opposite of ostentatious is off the top of my head, can't think, you know, and, and, and refined. Um, you wouldn't kind of, I guess, just from this, the, the, the first face, the main face of the watch, think that it's such a, a mad a mad timepiece it's not until you open it up and sort of you know that you see these other faces that you go wow there's there's a lot more to this than meets the eye um so yeah i also think oddly enough they've managed to retain their identity with it as well which is difficult when it is so technically out there uh yes that that, that is true again like yeah as you say not only is it refined but it, it maintains that classic jlc refinement um without without looking over the top or or just not like something they'd make um it is just a masterpiece in in both design as well as um technical capability breathtaking absolutely breathtaking so yeah is there anything else people want to briefly talk about i think we're probably sh quite short on time now i think it's quite hard to top that it really really yeah is. yeah 
but yeah, I mean, I, I can I can briefly talk about something Zenith have done, which actually isn't a new watch, but they've I don't know if anyone else has seen, but they have um, they've launched their Icon series, and what that is is Zenith oh. themselves are sourcing, uh, authenticating, and restoring and retailing their own vintage watches. So it's a little bit. Like- what Jaguar have been doing with old mm. E-types. So you can buy from Jaguar yeah. a new E-type Jag, which is basically they've been out, they've bought the old E-types and they've basically rebuilt them to as they were. And they're yeah. called, I forget what they're called, but that's that's the same principle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think, I think they started, they first started retailing these pieces um, last year at one of their boutiques somewhere. Uh, I think it was last autumn. Um, so they've been out, they've been doing this a few months, um, but they've sort of, well, they've announced it as part of the Watches and Wonders, uh, their press releases that, you know, this is something they're expanding with. Um, they're going to take it on basically a global tour with various sort of little capsule collections. I guess they must make them in batches, you know, very small quantities. And then, so the plan is to take each batch as a capsule collection and um retail it as a set boutique so i think next next they're going to shanghai so if by chance you're listening to this from shanghai or within traveling distance uh you should check out the zenith boutique there in the the coming weeks and months because they all have these icons um and yeah it's quite incredible um i mean it's in many ways i don't know i think it's great to see brands doing this like the established brands because they've got the parts still they've got the history the records the knowledge um, so the fact that they're they're sourcing and authenticating these watches themselves and then taking them and and um, you know sympathetically restoring them and replacing only what they need to and they're guaranteeing them for three years and providing full paperwork and keeping a database on them that that's that's really cool. I mean I'm sure the price is going to be astronomical uh, <laughs> on them uh, for sort of watches that are 50 years old or what have you, um, but. At the same time, that is really cool. And hats off to them for actually doing that, I think. Um, I think that's that's quite a cool thing to be doing for the, the vintage watch market in general. I really like it. Do you think that will catch on with other manufacturers as well? We'll start doing the same thing. Um, interesting question. I don't know. I, I guess it's a significant investment in time and money um, and human resource. So whether it's something that we see other brands take up, like they certainly have the capability. Omega is the first one that springs to mind because, you know, they they have spare parts for days. um, And, you know, they they have, for example, WatchCo um, years ago did did take Omega spare parts and make new Seamaster 300s from the 60s. Uh, We have one in now from Watches of Lancashire that I'm going to be doing a video on. Again, I'm getting a plug in. Oh, boom. Uh, Again, not deliberate, but again, that's an example of, you know, building a new watch from spare parts. So that is something that like Omega, as I just said, have the ability to do. Whether or not they'll do that, I don't know. I'd, I'd like it if they would, but I mean, at the same time, they do seem quite content all these other brands just to release sort of you know do a re-release of it and um and do, and do it that way uh which in many ways i think i prefer because i guess you you get the benefits of the design uh and the modern technology um, a vintage watch however well restored is still only made to the standard of the time um which is the downside 
but yeah, so it'd be interesting. But it is an interesting thing in general. I, I really like it. Um, I mean, obviously, I love vintage watches, and I think it's really exciting to, uh, you know, if, the, if 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 there's watches that you, you you weren't around to 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 buy in the past, and the thought of getting, you know, what is effectively sort of like a, a new old watch, yeah. but you know, to original specification. If you're a stickler for originality, I think that's that's fabulously exciting, and I can I can completely see why why you know why someone would buy one of one of those watches um, as as opposed to just just a re-release. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's really exciting. The only thing is, I suspect they come with a sort of like fairly massive price tag, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which means that you'd actually be sort of like paying less to get a watch which is newer and works better which is a little bit odd isn't it but there you go well, well <laughs> i mean to be fair they're not the market's moving that way anyway i mean you know stuff like we all we've all seen the prices of stuff like say the paul newman daytona um so it's it's not like they're trying to go against the grain of the market i think they're it's more adding value in the sense of if you're going to pay a crazy amount for a, a really old watch that's technically not as good as a real one in terms of like I say, performance, then you may as well do it from the brand that made it and has restored it with its original parts and all that and will, you know, guarantee it uh, for three years, which is a long time as well. Uh, and, you know, provide database and paperwork. That, that's, you know, that service to me is worth, I mean, well, object, not necessarily objectively worth it, but, you know, is worth, it's worth quite a bit. Wow. I think and I think that's absolutely right. And um, as I said, sort of Jaguar started doing this with old E-types that you can mm. you can buy, and um, you'll find that one of those old E-types will cost you a lot more than say a new F-type, which is technically superior in every way. So mm. <laughs> hasn't Aston Martin done it with the DB series? And that too, yeah. So you know, more and more car manufacturers are jumping onto that. So um, it's yeah, be interesting to see if it goes in the same way in the world of watches. Yeah, because I think they, they, they haven't they made Aston Martin made um, James Bond homage DB fives, yeah. which, which are not actually road legal. Well, I think I think the machine guns. That's because of you know you can't <laughs> actually go around shooting people, laying down oil slicks, firing them out of ejector seats through the sunroof. I think if you took away that, then maybe they would be. But but <laughs> I can't see a problem in any of those technical wonders myself. No, I can't see a problem at all. I mean, like, you know, we've all had to give lifts to people who we'd rather not give lifts to. And if you could just solve that problem by the touch of one button on your dashboard, then it would be a lot better. Absolutely. The the, the, the revolving number plates, I imagine Derbyshire Constabulary could have an issue with that they one, perhaps. But, but, but they know your number plate, which is something like BMT 263A, or am I getting too nervous? Oh, you're, you're so... Oh, nerdy. Oh. <laughs> I love that he remembered that. Uh, go on, I was about to say, if there's anything else you want to say, say it before we close off. Yeah. As before we close off as a parting shot, I just think it's worth people having a little look at uh, Panerai, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed researching the last few days, and just check out their new development called E-Steel. They are a specialist one-off model at the moment. And these range from being 50-ish percent to 90% recycled material uh, as part of their drive to make the watch industry a little bit more environmentally friendly and to quote from them reduce the need for virgin material extraction 
I found it very interesting reading about it today. And if it's a success, I suspect other brands may reluctantly have to follow suit. Yes. Yeah. Of course, I think it's Zinn, haven't it, who've made their U50 out of German submarine steel. But I'm not sure whether that means they've recycled German submarines or it's the same specification that they make the submarines out of. I would assume the latter. Who knows? <laughs> I can imagine a whole lot of German naval submarines with holes in them. At the <laughs> Watch-sized holes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so this, it's interesting to see. It's nice, again, uh, to see, um, I guess, a more environmentally friendly uh, move from the industry. That's always welcome. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's good Good to see. But, yeah, with that, um, I think we shall call it a day. Um, so thank you both for joining me. Um, it's been great to chat about uh, what we've seen this year. And, um, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, well... It's not over yet. You never know. We may have some more stuff out to surprise us. But if not, I think there's been some interesting stuff. Um, so, yeah, thank you once again. Uh, thank you at home for listening. And uh, we will catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. And be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast, so we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.